This past Sunday was Father's Day in the United States. This is a day we set aside to recognize the important role that our dads play in our lives. But on this day of all days, we read this from the Gospel. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Yet at the same time, the Bible also tells us to honor our father and mother. Is Jesus opposing Moses? Did Jesus really mean what he said? Today on The Way, we look at how the gospel message disrupts our lives and forces us to make some tough choices. We also look at how that choice might just disrupt our family lives. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Father Dustin. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Let us be attentive. The Lord said to his disciples, Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny him before my Father who is in heaven. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Then Peter said in reply, Lo, we have left everything and followed you. What then shall we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man shall sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many that are first will be last, and the last first. Glory to you, O Lord, glory to you. That reading was pieced together from Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 through 33, then verses 34 through 38, then it jumps to chapter 19, verses 27 through 30. And this is the lectionary reading for the Sunday of All Saints in the Orthodox Church. Perhaps one of the most difficult things we'll have to do in our lives is navigate family relationships. If we're blessed to have a good family, they're accepting of who we are. They encourage us and help us to learn and grow, and they've been supportive of the paths we've taken in life, even when they don't agree with us. When we make mistakes, they allow us to learn from them while continuing to nurture us at the same time. Now, while all of that may be the ideal, it's probably not the reality for all of us. Some of us may come from broken families. We may have parents who are divorced. We may have family members who won't speak to us or other members of our family. We may have family members who refuse to acknowledge us because we've taken a different path in life, one they don't approve of. I should clarify 
that sometimes families may not approve of us even when we're taking steps to better ourselves. For instance, I've seen people establish healthy boundaries to take control of their lives, since setting boundaries often means learning to say no, because after all, we can't do it all, we may find that our family accuses us of being insensitive or selfish, even when that's not really the case. I've also seen families where one member decides to stop drinking and starts attending AA meetings in order to become sober. But this sort of change can disrupt the family, and it can cause tension. It's the same with drugs. If you built a family that revolves around substance abuse, and then you become sober, your unsober family members may revolt against the status quo being challenged, even when the status quo is harming everyone. My point in all of this is that family dynamics can be fickle things. And because they can be that way, we have to learn to set our own priorities and to determine what's important for us whether or not we have the support of our families in doing this. This is precisely what Jesus is talking about when he says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. We have to make the kingdom of God our number one priority, even when we're being pulled in different directions by our families. For a better understanding, let's take a step back and take a look at the larger context. Just before today's passage, Jesus was talking about the resistance his disciples would encounter as they spread the gospel. They will be like sheep in the midst of wolves, he tells them. It's not just that some people will be indifferent to the gospel. It's that some people will actively resist the gospel, and they'll resist it with force. Perhaps the most famous resistor was St. Paul. Before his conversion, he prided himself on murdering Christians. He even had a hand in the martyrdom of St. Stephen. This resistance shows us that no matter how hard we try, we can't force people to accept the gospel, even within our own family. We may have one family member go full steam ahead with the gospel, and another family member who thinks the gospel is the worst thing there is. A husband and wife might be at odds, or it might be a father and son, or mother and daughter, or brother and sister. The list goes on. Jesus isn't setting out, though, to split up families. But he recognizes that as people rearrange their priorities for or against the kingdom of heaven, there will be ruptures within families. And, as these ruptures happen, we may be tempted to rethink Christ. We may decide not to put Him first in our lives, in order to keep peace in our household. Knowing this might happen, Jesus is encouraging us to keep the gospel as our number one priority. He's encouraging us to remain faithful to Christ, even when we're being swayed by family members to set Christ aside for other priorities. What does this look like in real life? Well, I want to tell you the story of a martyr, St. Perpetua, who was martyred in the year 203. Because she was a Christian, she was arrested, along with her brother and some servants. At the time of her arrest, she was 22 years old and had just given birth. The baby was taken into prison with her. While she waited in prison, her father, 
who was not a Christian, came to her to try and convince her to give up Christ. He reasoned that her life would be better if she, instead, chose the gods of the Romans. What's fascinating about this case is that Perpetua's journal has been preserved, and she's recorded her conversations with her father. She writes, While we were still under arrest, my father, out of love for me, was trying to persuade me and shake my resolution. Father, said I, do you see this vase here, for example, or water pot or whatever? Yes, I do, said he. And I told him, could it be called by any other name than what it is? And he said, no. Well, so too I cannot be called anything other than what I am, a Christian. At this my father was so angered by the word Christian that he moved towards me as though he would pluck my eyes out. But he left it at that and departed, vanquished along with his diabolical arguments. Though he left angry, he returned at a later time to see if Perpetua would change her mind. This conversation she also recorded. A few days later, there was a rumor that we were going to be given a hearing. My father also arrived from the city worn with worry, and he came to see me with the idea of persuading me. Daughter, he said, have pity on my gray head. Have pity on me, your father. If I deserve to be called your father, if I have favored you above all your brothers, if I have raised you to reach this prime of your life, do not abandon me to be the reproach of men. Think of your brothers, think of your mother, and of your aunt. Think of your child, who will not be able to live once you are gone. Give up your pride. You will destroy all of us. None of us will ever be able to speak freely again if anything happens to you. This was the way my father spoke out of love for me, kissing my hands and throwing himself down before me. With tears in his eyes, he no longer addressed me as his daughter, but as a woman. I was sorry for my father's sake, because he alone, of all my kin, would be unhappy to see me suffer. I tried to comfort him, saying, It will all happen in the prisoner's dock as God wills, for you may be sure that we are not left to ourselves, but are all in his power. And then he left me in great sorrow. Perpetua's father made another attempt to free her at her trial, but he was unable to persuade her of her Christianity. In the end, she was executed for her faith. Although the executioner was inexperienced and he didn't kill Perpetua with the first blow of his sword, Perpetua had to lead his hand to her throat, at which time she received her crown. Though Perpetua loved her father, she knew that Christ and the gospel had to be her number one priority. In turn, the gospel gave her strength, for she knew that Christ had trampled down death by death, so she had nothing to fear. Perpetua shows us what it means to follow Christ. She walked the way. She bore fruit. She shows us what it means to put Christ first, even when it divided her family. But, as Christ says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life because of me will find it. Until next time, keep walking the way. God bless you.